is Zoe, I'm in grade 12, and I am an ear of East. Hello, my name is Bella, and I'm in grade 12, and I'm an ear of East. Hello, my name is Edwight, I'm in grade 12, and I'm an ear of East. Hello, my name is Fraser, I'm in grade 12, and I'm an ear of East. Hello, my name is Gabby, I'm in grade 11, and I'm an ear of East. Hi, I'm Herbert, I'm a grade 12 student, and I'm an ear of East. You are listening to the Global Politics Podcast, brought to you by the students of UWC-SEA. Our aim with school, with, um, in school events has always been um, to empower students to take action. And with, I mean, with Right for Rights, we also have the impact of sending thousands of letters around the world. Um, but I've always felt that the first step in taking action is to be educated and to know your issue. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to do on World Refugee Day, because we're bringing together a lot of the information around refugees and around their experience. And I think the way we've structured our event, it's designed to give students a better idea of, um, what they go through and not just not just as a this is the general experience of a refugee but we want to include stories from refugees that make it personal. Welcome to this special edition of Years of East. We have members from the UWC East advocacy team Voices for Refugee sat with us today. They have plenty of recommendations for all of us in terms of what we can do to mark World Refugee Day. Enjoy. We want to engage them in the individual stories that we, of refugees that we see because especially in Singapore I think it's so easy to see the refugee crisis as an issue that isn't relevant to us that is in some faraway place that doesn't directly affect us so it is really important to show our community how they can take action and be directly involved in this issue actually so to bring kind of like the devil's advocate into this, because a lot of um, the issue with people not wanting to accept refugees does come from like racism, from common misconceptions. But a lot of the misconceptions has to do with the way that things are playing out in the world. So it's really important to kind of understand that. And so for background, an example of this would be, um, so in the US, in the Midwest, because of globalization and because of um, increased trade between countries, um, a lot of this American steel production is actually being taken by um, workers in China because the production of steel in China is a lot cheaper. So American companies are able to purchase much cheaper steel from China. And because of that, um, and then also a spike in Mexican immigration because of all the issues in um, South America, what has, what's happened is, uh, sorry, uh, Latin America. So what's happened is that uh, people have drawn a correlation between Mexican immigration and the loss of jobs. And it is often people in the Midwest along um, the Rust Belt who are suffering from this because that's where most of the steel jobs lie. And it's just a range of factors that play into this that are really important to understand when talking about the refugee issue. Refugees are people and that it shouldn't matter where we're from or where we're coming from, that we're, we all deserve the same rights. And so I think this is the kind, a kind of a point that we try to focus on within with strategies because we want to make sure that people understand that this is an issue and that people should care. To go on to Gabby's point, this is also happening in Europe because 
There's a massive influx of refugees, especially into Scandinavian countries such as like Sweden. And there has been a real turn to the right wing and the more realist approach of our country comes first and our people come first instead of the whole world as in all. Especially in a country like, for example, in Sweden, their population is so small anyway. They have accepted they have accepted so many refugees into their country that it's starting to overpopulate, and many of the Swedes feel like they're taking over. So just like obviously refugees are people and things, but there's also many other perspectives that we can see into this, as Gabby said, bringing in the devil's advocate. Okay, so I'm Louisa Radford, and I was one of the first members of Voices for Refugees when it began here at school, um, and I think several of the quotes resonated with me, and really it was. Um, I hear what you're saying about playing devil's advocate. There are lots of reasons, I think, why many people are scared by the refugee crisis and, and feel that there are many other issues that come first. Um, and I think one of the things that I've heard recently was someone talking about how do we get people to care? How do you um, get people to put their money where their mouth is and take action and do things? And there are a couple of really interesting ideas, and we've tried several things at school to help people to empathise and help people to build that um, feeling of understanding but one of the things that um, our visiting speaker on Friday talked about, David Begbie, was the idea that um, everybody has their own thing that they care about. And, and for some things, it's very difficult to make people care about the issue that, that you care passionately about. So I think it's uh, perhaps more about you taking action and you doing what you can and accepting that other people will be caring about other massive issues that we're facing today. Um, but yeah, trying to find that, that golden recipe for how you can actually help people really understand the refugee experience and... Uh, the reason why refugees can be beneficial and, and why they're not always, uh, there are correlations with other issues, but they're not always the cause necessarily, um, is really, really difficult, huge challenge. What's really interesting to look at is how it can be very different between people because a lot, like some people may feel that they need, they, um, there's a need to prioritize others over themselves, whereas others may feel that maybe they come first and they should help themselves first and then go on to help others once they've fixed their own issues. And neither of those is more right than the other because they both work, they're both, you can't solve every issue. So um, an interesting thing to bring into that actually would be, um, I think a few months ago, I attended the talk about um, whether or not we should go to Myanmar because of the Rohingya crisis going on there. And it was really interesting to see kind of the differing perspectives because I was, um, so I was sitting at a table with five people and I was the only one on that table who believed that we shouldn't have gone. So it was really, really interesting to see how some people had justifications for, you know, how it's not our issue, so why why would we why should we be serving the consequences for it? And I think it's it's just interesting to see how different people have different views of the world and therefore that kind of influences what they're willing to do or what yeah. I'm Gemma and I'm currently involved with um Voices Refugees. Um, I wanted to pick up on a couple of the threads that I'm hearing in the, in the things that you guys are saying that link actually to um, a lesson this morning. So with my grade 11s, we're looking... We would, nobody's in my class here. We're looking at um, If This Is a Man by Priva Levy, where he writes about his experience of um, Auschwitz. And one of the things that he says is once you've decided that somebody is less than human once you strip them of the things that make them human it becomes very easy to just lightly decide their fate and I sort of see that idea of othering in a lot of our narratives around refugees 
um, where we even in well-intentioned um, conversations sort of other um, refugee population, even just by speaking about refugees as a sort of homogenous mass, I guess there's a, a degree of othering going on there. But I think we see it too, and this is why I thought your point was so important, Gabby. I see it too in, in other parts of these conversations where I think the danger of that appealing to common humanity argument is that then what happens to people you've decided are on the other side, that the othering sort of happens both ways. And if you've decided that people who hold um, different views or challenging views are ignorant or bigoted or um, lack compassion, then there's a sort of, there can be a dangerous othering that goes on there too, where you don't engage with or try to understand that different kind of viewpoint. Um, and similar as you were saying, Gabby, like my family live in Kent, and so lots of the people that I see there have very different viewpoints than the one that um, that I might hold, and it's so different to understand those rather than just writing them off, but they are just, they're part of the discussion. I know that we started to touch on this maybe in, in the comments we just made, but if other students who maybe aren't thinking about these issues or aren't having the conversations that you are having, what is sort of one thing that you would want the rest of our UWC student population to be thinking a bit more about when it comes to conversations around refugees? Um, I think that usually people don't really put themselves into the, like as you've been talking about, like interview what they're actually happening to them. You just see them on the news and they're just like another thing that's happening in a different part of the world and it's not really affecting you or whatever you're doing. But really, you have to remember that they are people too. And if this were to happen to somewhere like in Singapore, how many people would be affected as well? And um, I used to live in Myanmar. So when the when the Rohingya crisis kicked off, you, it was a big deal because people were like they're only a few hours away, and like this massive genocide is happening. So just to remember that they're people too, and they're going through something. And just because they're in a different country doesn't mean you don't have to think about it. And that you don't just because you're living in Singapore doesn't mean you can't do anything about it as well. I think for our students, um, one of the things that always strikes me is that probably from grade 10 onwards, a lot of your time outside of lessons is spent planning your future, planning what you're going to be doing next, where you're going to go, what kind of degree you want to do. Um, and with that comes all the other exciting planning that you do about imagining your future. And um, I think for UWC students, it's good to just have in the back of your mind that that's a real luxury to be able to plan. And that when we're talking about 65 million people, none of them have that luxury there on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and the idea of forward planning Things like Sky School are beginning to, to give some opportunities, but they are few and far between. So in our school, with our mission, as people are, are beginning to have those conversations with parents and with their UAC advisor, um, just remember what a privilege it is to, to be able to do that. So just I wanted to build on um, your point that um, in within the next year, what I'm hoping we'll start doing a bit more in Voices is connecting with NGOs and organizations that are based in Singapore or near Singapore that actually do work with refugees or work on projects that can potentially help refugees. Um, because I hope that this will create a, a sort of pathway for 
not just people in voices, but also people from around the school to actually try and go out and do something to support everyone else. Because um, it's really easy to forget that just because we're in Singapore doesn't mean that there aren't NGOs and organizations based here who are trying to help. There's always some way that you can actually go out and be a part of the bigger movement. I think that just for anything, it's like refugee crisis, any other issue that we might be talking about, um, it's always important to remember that there's always another perspective and that other perspective is always justified in some way. And you might not agree with it, but it does kind of have its justification. So it's important to be really like to be empathetic towards the other side, even if you don't necessarily agree with it. We've talked so much about sometimes it's difficult to get over that almost empathy gap of we're in a bubble here. How do we remind ourselves, actually, as uh, Ms. Radford was saying, that we are very privileged. So you, you did give up your lunch. You are sitting here to have this conversation, and I'm guessing it is for a variety of reasons. You have been able to bridge that gap. So if you were going to endorse one article, one short film, something from YouTube, anything that for you has been really important in terms of motivating you to continue to care, what direction would you point our listeners in in terms of check out this article, watch this movie, think more about this YouTube video? So there's another really good movie that I watched this screening a few months ago. It's called On Her Shoulders, and it's um, the one about Nadia Murad and the story of the Yazidi people in Syria. So what um, I think it was really impactful because it follows her story and kind of her fight for justice against ISIS, but it also really goes into her life as a refugee, um, the life of many others, like other Yazidi people who are trying to rebuild a life in Europe now because now that they've been pushed out of their home. And I think that was really powerful as well. There's a children's book called Stormy Seas. And what I found really interesting was that they didn't have any numbers or statistics about refugees. It was just the story of this one little girl and her family and her journey to get from her home country to some place, somewhere safe. And it was a really powerful way of telling a story from the perspective, from a single perspective of a child. And because it's a children's book, it's also put in a way that's very simple for you to understand and empathize with. Um, something that I saw recently, I think it was on Instagram, <laughs> it was just like a short 30 minute clip of comparing one girl's living in a developed country, living her life, having her birthday, and another refugee who you could see how at the beginning they were both put in the same and how the refugee's girl's life just went down and down. And it was shown like a year and how on her, I think it was her eighth birthday, she was living in this big house. And by the time she was nine, she was in a, te in a refugee tent with only like a candle to show her birthday. And it just showed the, like how different the two lives are, but how they used to be so similar. It was called Searching for Syria. So um, one thing I really remember from that um, particular website was this idea that it gave you the top five searches that people used to um, do in Syria before the crisis, and they were very normal. They seemed like everyday searches from even that people like us would do. And I think it was like a stark thing for me because I realized how much, how similar people are. Um, and even though we think about refugees as others, like we've been talking about a lot in this discussion, 
they really aren't that different to us. They had very similar lives to us before their crises struck them. So I think that's something that was really powerful. Um, a couple of things that I would recommend are um, groups based in Singapore um, that have um, fed into our thinking in Voices for Refugees. One is called Rainer Movement, run by Risa Khan. Um, and part of what the Rainer Movement does is to challenge the narrative around refugees and to... Um, and to celebrate stories and traditions which we don't so often get to hear about. And that last year in, in particular and around World Refugee Day fed into some of our thinking um, there. And in relation to that, um, I think there's some really good writing around um, the narratives around refugees, particularly this idea um, that refugees should be grateful or that we have this sort of idea of what they should be and what we sort of want or need from them. Um, so the best example of that, um, which I was just dugging out, is an article in The Guardian by Dina Nairi, um, who speaks about this idea that refugees have a debt to repay. Um, and the other really useful um, place to go is Advocates for Refugees in Singapore. They have a Facebook page where they post... Um, pretty much every week with uh, film screenings or events that are going on in Singapore. Um, and I think they do a good job of answering that question, what can we do from here? Um, they're sort of filling that space, I think, very nicely. One book that I found um, was pretty, had a significant impact on the way I, the way I thought was... Um, uh, it's a collection of writings, of Steve Biko's writings. Um, Steve Biko was an apartheid activist, as any history student here will know. Um, and he wrote a lot about um, apartheid. He wrote against the um, apartheid regime. And what I found was his writing was incredibly intricate. He, could, he managed to analyze the situation um, in a way that made it crystal clear as to what was going wrong and how um, the perceived, how uh, the black people within South Africa, how black people within South Africa were perceived at the time. Um, and it's really easy to think of apartheid as, okay, there were white people and there were black people. One of them was in subjection. That's not quite true. It was a lot more complicated than that. And part of the reason that I think apartheid was so is so misunderstood is because um, people find it a lot easier to group people into cat into easy to define categories and I found that after reading Steve Biko's book um, I found that it's incredibly important to remember that for any issue that anyone would want to tackle you have to look at every perspective with whether it's um, within different groups of refugees, within whether it's between different people within the same refugee camp, they will have a different perspective on what's happening. And it's important to remember that um, every individual will have a slightly different way of seeing the same narrative. If you're curious about any of the resources that have been shared in this episode, all you need to do is go to the show notes section on the post. They are all linked waiting and ready for you to check them out. Thanks for listening.